Welcome to Documentary Diehards, the show where three sports fans break down one 30 for 30 documentary each and every episode. I'm Ren with Sam and Nick. Guys, how's it going? Gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Hi there. So today we are reviewing uh, No Crossover, The Trial of Allen Iverson, and we'll get into more about that. Uh, yeah, how are we doing, guys? We just came off another busy weekend of sports and a lot of injuries in the NFL, something that, Nick, you were talking about last week, and now it's like one of the craziest injury weeks, it seems, uh, in recent years. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, you know, just got from bad to worse over the next or over the last week since uh, we talked last, um, and, and a lot of big names, too. Uh you know, not just, I mean, not that small names don't matter either, but, you know, uh, the Saquon Barkley's of the world and just different things like that. Just, uh, I, I don't know, it, it uh, makes me feel very bad for them. It makes me fear for college football coming back or specifically the Big Ten. Um, high school sports now, too. Uh, at least in Minnesota, they just announced uh, football's coming back. And uh, so I, I hope the trend uh, doesn't continue that way in different areas, but I definitely fear that it will. Yeah, is your theory just that the changed and adjusted time for preparing for a season, like that, is that the best theory out there for why maybe there's more, or is it just, you know, happenstance? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I, I think that in preseason, there is, uh, you know, like, re- well, there's prehab, you know, you're getting your body con- conditioned right, uh, you're getting your body, you know, in shape enough to withstand, you know, you going full throttle uh, for a game, because, you know, the one thing that's similar with, you know, all these athletes, um, you know, they're trying to win that game, they're going to do all they can because of that competitive nature, and so, um it doesn't matter if uh, I have not trained or lifted as much in the off season. I'm still going to try as hard as I can. And so sometimes, uh, with these athletes that are pushing them, um, pushing their bodies to the level of you know it, failure, basically uh, all the time. And if that body is not you know trained to limit that failure as much as possible, then that's that risk is just going to go significantly up. So. Um, you know, my fear, I think of high school and uh, just what are the chances that a lot of these athletes are going to be, um, you know, training a lot uh, during this time of COVID or during this like summer off, uh, even spring off that they had. So um, at least football, like in the NFL or college, they're, they have the facilities, they have the quote unquote reasons or big reasons for it. Um, but I don't know, we'll see. Yeah, and with high school football, literally just today as we're reporting, they announced that, as you referenced, they're going to start up soon. But the thing that goes to right what you were saying is they might just start practice up here in less than a week after thinking, like most of the kids thought they wouldn't start until like January 1 at the very earliest. And they're going to make it just an about face, change the decision. And so then that's an even more of a chance that they weren't training or preparing their body Um because they thought they were going to have many months until they would have to be ready. So, I mean, that who knows, I guess. Right. Yeah, I mean, I just think back to when I was in high school. Um, you know, what would I have done if I didn't have practice for uh, at least, you know, two or three weeks um, and I didn't think football was going to happen? 
or I didn't think cross country was like gonna happen. I would just be, you know, hanging out at home or going to McDonald's with my friends or you know things like that. Sam would have been at Taco John's. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, I'm just like looking up names right now of NFL players who are injured, and it's it's nuts. I mean, Saquon Barkley, Nick Bosa, and then you have the quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo, Drew Locke. Tyrod mm-hmm. Taylor, it's just wow. Christian McCaffrey, yeah. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. It's just never ending, and it's week two. Anthony Barr today, he's out for the year. Wait, I didn't oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, he tore his pec, so he's out for the Ooh, year. And, um, the worst gets worse for the Vikings. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just saw a stat that it was a in reference to fantasy football, but it was that twelve or yeah, twelve of the top forty-six players. Uh, that were drafted top 46, I guess, so average draft position. Mm-hmm. 12 of those top 46 have now been injured in some Jeez. way or missed some time in just the first two games. Goodness. Already. Yeah. Like, some I, of the best players. Geez. I think that'll continue for the first six weeks or so. But Yeah. Let's hope uh, not. I don't know. Was, yeah. Especially with quarterback play. Like, if we start seeing some of the top quarterbacks go down, oh, man. Yeah. Play is going to get ugly really fast. Yeah. Well, should we get into this documentary? I I just watched it today. Sam, I know you watched it yesterday. Uh, Nick, when did you watch the, you know, this? Uh, I just watched it today as well. Okay, so it's all pretty fresh. Um, I'll give a quick summary, and then we'll jump right into the review. It's Again, we said uh, it's called No Crossover, The Trial of Allen Iverson. So obviously, I already know one of the, the greatest basketball players of all time is the topic of of this one but this um film really centers around his trial um for his participation in a brawl at a bowling alley when he was in high school at when he was 17 years old so um it's directed by steve james who is from the same virginia town uh and little area a little i guess neighboring town uh for part of iverson's childhood um, as Alan Iverson, obviously. Um, and so it kind of is through the lens of Steve James, the director. He's very involved in it. He interviews his mom. He is interviewed kind of by the by another crew member. And, um, and as a lot of these 30 for 30s do, they insert the director in it. Um, it's produced in 2010, as these past several have been. It is our 10th. Uh, so we're going Ooh. in order. It's number 10, Ooh. episode number 10 for us. Uh, so we're reaching our first little milestone. It's crazy. We've already been, been through this many. Um, and it, this this case, this fight um, that I- Iverson was involved in took place in 1993. So that was when he was a junior in high school during his college, ba- his high school basketball season. And it, the whole movie centers around um, the trial. Um, it went to a judge um court case not a jury and and it just talks about the all the race issues in virginia and in that area um um and just like like some of the first slaves were you know came onto north american shores back then and i mean way back before then and this um it really just talks about all the kind of tensions in the um that community because the fight was said for some sides say um, racial epithets were were said, and that's how it started. And 
And there was just a whole bunch of interviews around that. It goes back to Iverson's childhood a little bit, um, you know, his rise to greatness in both um, basketball and football. And it, it covers kind of his um, journey right after he he was uh, convicted, went to jail briefly, and then went to college. But it doesn't really cover much of his college or pro career other than mentioning it. And so that's really all um, that it covers. It's a longer documentary, an hour and 21 minutes. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was a, it was pretty long. Uh, what did you guys think, Sam, when you first uh, finished watching it yesterday? Um, <clears throat> like you said, the director was in this one a whole lot. Um, maybe more so than just about any other one that we've seen so far. I mean, they're interviewing his mom throughout it. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so he just plays a very prominent role in it. He, like, talks about his basketball skills quite a bit and his dad and all that. But then, yeah, it just it, – it doesn't – it didn't focus on Iverson's career as much as I was expecting it to uh, and I guess hoping for, but it really focused on the trial. And um, it was interesting because you kind of – you get, like, the story of the trial and then – you'd know the results of the trial within what, like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, probably. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it's, you know, 45 minutes of interviews basically. And it was just very clear that there's two sides to this story. Um, there's a ton of like racial friction in this community. And uh, yeah, I guess one of the like main takeaways or something that I found really interesting was the, old sports announcer like the local sports announcer who like very clearly disliked iverson he's this old white guy and um was he with the white hair and like did he have a blue vest on i believe so yeah and like the whole time it's basically every word that he says about iverson is just very clearly um like against him and just he just doesn't like him and you you wonder like if race is really playing a role in that um and so so, yeah, I guess that's one of the big takeaways that I really remember just thinking back on it. Nick, how about you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we're thinking about the same guy, which I'm sure we are, like, he definitely came off as like, I, I don't know, uh, a racist. Like, it, it was just every, I mean, he wasn't hiding it at all that there no. was just nothing good. And it was every. It, it reminded me of, uh, you know, talking to someone who's so strongly against all of that. And it, like the director was like, oh, but have you thought about it this way? And he's like, no, like this is the, you know, this is the way I think about it or the right way to think about it. I don't know. It just, that was a turn off to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was a necessary part, I guess, of the doc. It wasn't anything against the doc. It was just more against the guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, in regards to the whole documentary, um, you know, I think the title hits it right on the head. Uh, you know, the 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 trial um, it, it, um, of Anna, Alan Iverson, and just um, not only just that, you know, it was his trial, but just like you know, the trials and tribulations that he went through uh, during this whole time, and mm-hmm. and how polarizing of a time this was, and um, you know, you start off with the race relations of um you know what ren said earlier with that was the first time that or that's where the first slaves um you know came over um across the ocean and 
and then they label it in their uh, home tourist uh, pamphlet or whatever and said like this is where the first Africans came came over and it was like trying to just you know sweep it under the rub rug basically um and, and so it, it was just very troubling i guess to to you know see that um you know in a in a city or just uh, how evident that is um how evident it was i thought about um you know how mike vick also grew up in that same area and having seen that Vic documentary uh, made me think a lot of that and just the rough area to grow up in. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, with the whole theme of uh, racial relations, it, I mean, obviously it hit home for, you know, what we're in now. And uh, just, it's kind of troubling that nothing's really changed in 30 years. So. Yeah. And that, that's something that we, we kind of uh, watched in that other documentary about, University of Miami and just these different areas across the country. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I guess we can go into just kind of, and yeah, like, I liked what you said, Nick, about how, you know, the, the movie is called The Trial of Allen Iverson. So, yeah, I didn't really do any prep work in, in figuring out what the documentary was about because I liked coming cold. And early on, they, they basically told us it was just going to be about the trial. And pretty much that's what it was. It did have a whole bunch of cool high school video of him playing and stuff like that which is awesome and it was mm -hmm. sprinkled in well and incorporated mm -hmm. um but yeah this wasn't like a whole retrospective of his career and life like it didn't right. talk about his career with the sixers hardly at all you know or barely his college career or any of his other nba teams he played for so that's just what the documentary was about and that's fine um it for for what it is it um i think it was straightforward with that yeah um the brawl uh, was, it took place on Valentine's Day. He was 17 years old in 93, and he had played a game, basketball, high school basketball game for Bethel High School, which was his team, scored 42 points, and then was involved in, you know, we don't know what way, I guess, because um, everyone debates that um, in the brawl, and then he got into a, uh, it just the trial was so drawn out, and um the big thing that jumped out to me was that they they mentioned it a lot was that because he was like the number one high school basketball player I want to say in the country he was yep and so he was a celebrity and so that's why this received so much attention and a lot of people say that this trial would have just been like because he was tried as an adult which is one of my main questions is why because, I mean, I've heard of high school athlete stars getting in trouble and then they're tried as kids and they get, in, they get in trouble and then it ends. Because I mean, then it's like, you know, it's not a big deal because they're they're just 17. They're not 18 yet. So um, that was a big thing for me was he was tried as an adult and it was this big frenzy and it mm -hmm. just felt like it didn't have to be. And obviously that goes into all the other reasons, the judge and, you know, all the different, you know things in place um and the different sides and the different people at play um but the the crazy thing was like there was these other kids in his involved in the brawl and and no one everyone kind of agrees that like if he if alan iverson the best high school basketball player in the country wasn't involved in this then it wouldn't really have been a big deal and and all three of the people who were charged were black, and yeah. no white no white people were charged, which is interesting. Right. 
Yeah, and they like, yeah, the the fight was like described by a lot of people as like whites versus blacks, and mm-hmm. um, and so that that was a big part of it. But yeah, and no Iverson, one... he was accused of hitting a woman over the head with a chair, right? Mm-hmm. That's what he was accused mm-hmm. of, and there are witnesses there that said that. So they saw they're all white witnesses, and 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 then Iverson claims that he he like had words with someone and left and i don't know if oh, i don't know if a lot of people believe that i think a lot of people on his quote unquote side say that he like threw punches but never hit the did the chair and some other guy claimed that he he you know launched the chair at someone and it it was a guy that wasn't even charged um so yeah there's so much confusion there was this camcorder home video of the brawl about five six seconds but not a great angle but they had they showed us that um so that was interesting to see it was like sitting on the counter where you buy your pretzels at the bowling alley and Mm -hmm. someone turned it around when everyone started going you know crazy and um yeah i don't know uh what else do you guys think about just how the trial was broken down and obviously there was there was interview upon interview did anything stick out to you guys from from that kind of section of all the interviews about that part? I, I thought it was interesting. They talk about Judge Overton was his name and um, how he had a history of like being tougher on black people than white people mm-hmm. and how he was almost trying to make a point. Some people in this documentary think that he was trying to make a point out of Allen Iverson or um, you know, that even though he's this big basketball star, he's still going to be punished, even if there isn't like a ton of evidence that he had actually hit this woman over the head with a chair. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it just seems like the, the cards are kind of stacked against them, um, from the get go and his friends in general, like the fact that none of the white people were charged, but three black people were, and um yeah and like you said i don't think it would have happened if it wasn't alan iverson so yeah i don't know and there was so much reaction from all the different people involved and they got a lot of interviews and obviously i guess we should have mentioned alan iverson didn't want to be interviewed in this documentary he's not involved there's Mm -hmm. there's a few main you know interviews we would have liked in this but understandably like i mean iverson's never been known to want to do interviews um so that's part of um the movie that like obviously could have been better in an ideal world mm-hmm. um yeah so i guess we can go on to the where he was being um he was already convicted and they delayed his sentencing so he he was sentenced to 15 total years i guess it was f- five different sentences um and but it was up to uh there was a possibility for 10 months or for good behavior Mm -hmm. um ultimately he uh i think he got out in about four months after the governor of virginia pardoned him um this was after like you know the media frenzy he was you know he was just getting bigger and more popular and went to the nike like camp and and then um governor who was on his way out of office decided to pardon pardon him 
and um, he got out, and that's kind of how that went. Um, I guess I did want to say that, like, he did have, like, a not a great reputation for, like, around school or whatever. Some Someone was saying, like, he, he missed, like, 65 ga- um, days of school or something. And Yeah, he won a state championship in football and didn't show up to school for, like, three weeks afterward. Yeah. And so, like, that part of that goes into, like, the reputation around town, like, that that's part, um, maybe went into why some people were willing to convict him with maybe not as much evidence. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What what did you guys think of just Allen Iverson, the guy? Because, I mean, like, he this was in 93. We weren't obviously following this at that time. I mean, I wasn't even born. Uh, none of, wait, none of us were born. I don't know. Nick uh, was. I, I was born. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Remember it well. <laughs> we were one-year-old. <laughs> um, but but what did we think of, of high school Allen Iverson? Because they did show some interviews and like him. Um, just They showed some stuff of him. What did we think about that, Nick? Yeah, I thought it was, he would have been awesome to watch. I mean, I'd like love to go back and watch like, you know, highlight tapes of that, whether it was football or or basketball. Um, yeah, imagine, I mean, just being like six foot and still just crushing it on the football field, like and being like a twig. And uh, I don't know, super super cool. Um, him as the <laughs> as the athlete was awesome. I think him as the personality was questionable. I, I think of the, um, the interviewer or the interviewee that, um, he said, you know, like two hours out of the day, like that he, you want him on your team. It's the other 22 hours of the day that, you know, you're, <laughs> it's a little more questionable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel like that just kind of characterizes it, you know, uh perfectly and i feel like that uh was him in high school that was him and um in the in the pros and and kind of throughout so yeah i thought yeah like you said obviously an amazing player uh would love to go back and watch him what i did find interesting was that um so his mom had him at 15 years old and wasn't like always around i guess yeah um and he had some younger siblings and stuff. And so evidently like his mom would just kind of disappear for like days at a time. And I I thought it was pretty cool and interesting. And I didn't know this about him that he had younger siblings that he would look after and kind of be like a parent figure for them. Mm -hmm. And um, someone in the documentary said that, um, you know, one of the excuses that he could have used for why he wasn't going to school was sometimes he would like look after his little siblings while his uh, while his mom like had disappeared and so um, I thought that was a pretty interesting side to him and like a, a more mature like forced to grow up um, early I guess did what did you guys yeah think I, I appreciated that too and, and that's definitely a side of him that we didn't always see um, mm-hmm. that, what was that interview they showed of him um this was well into his NBA career, very near the end of this documentary where he was like, um, he was saying like, yeah, I've been to jail three times and everything that I, I, every situation I found myself in, like 
was what was supposed to have happened. And I don't know what he exactly meant by that, but the director um, and, you know, who created this movie was like just saying that was a really poignant interview because it just showed kind of his state of mind and how he thought about everything that happened specifically this, this trial when he was 17. Right. Do we want to talk about like him coming back to Hampton after, mm-hmm. um, you know, so he he gets drafted or he goes and and plays at Georgetown, and then he, after one year he gets drafted first yeah, overall two to the years, 76ers. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. two years, yeah. He gets drafted first overall to the 76ers, goes on to have a Hall of Fame career and everything. But they kind of talk about how he has this weird relationship with the city of Hampton because he went through all of this um, while he you know he was a young 17, 18 year old kid, and now he's this big millionaire, famous athlete. And a lot of people there expect him to come back and give back to the community. But then he has this, this, you know, uh, traumatic, like, yeah, this traumatic experience. That's a good way of putting it. A traumatic experience where he doesn't necessarily feel like he should give back to the community. And um, they show, you know, he has a, he hosts a basketball camp there and, um, you know, there's still some outrage, <clears throat> like a sports reporter talks about all the good things that he's doing at this basketball camp. But then um, some of the people are, you know, calling him a thug and saying that, uh, you know, he's not the best influence on their kids and stuff like that. Uh, so what did you guys think of like the basketball camp and, you know, the mixed feelings that he has for the city of Hampton? <clears throat> Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, it would be a very trying uh, time for him or, or just, you know, decision to make. I think it's easy to um, take yourself out of that situation. And uh, it's easier to forget uh, just by om- um, omission and not putting yourself directly in that uh, area again. Um, I feel like I understand both sides of it. Uh, because, you know, as, as a, um, as a youth sports coach, uh, like in Hampton, then, you know, I'm hoping for the best for my, you know, athletes or for all this younger generation. And I would be thinking why, uh, like, why aren't you thinking of like, just trying to help these kids, make sure that they're not, or at least do what you can to not, uh, or to prevent them from getting into trouble. Um, things like that, like you are the face of, you know, this community um, and you can't even come for like, you know, it's a two hour camp or, you know, whatever it was. So mm-hmm. I feel like both <laughs> sides of the thing, I mean, both sides of the situation, um, it's, it's, uh, I understand it, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what the solution would be or anything like that, but especially for how that community has, you know, kind of thrown them under um, the bus or at least, even if it wasn't the community necessarily, but it's just the, you know, the association of the town and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, Would, it's, and then it did oh. show like at one point, some video of when he was doing a camp and he gave like a scholarship to this kid and, and the kid was, was talking about how thankful he was and all and everything like broke down crying. And that was a really good scene. I mean, anytime like you can get an emotional scene like that, uh, it, mm-hmm. it's always, you know, really good to see and witness. If if you were Allen Iverson, do you go back to Hampton and put on this camp for case? I mean, yeah, probably, but I would, I would probably do it in like 
such a way that I could target like my specific neighborhood that I grew up, you know, like if there was like a park, mm-hmm. like it would be just for that park where I grew up playing, where I knew like the, the people on that, in that couple blocks, you know, that it was going to be the people that I, you know, that cared about me. Like, I mean, cause there was during the trial, there was a lot of people that were really um, divided and sides were being, taken so i mean if i were him and the people on my side and there's a ton of people that weren't i wouldn't want to give these people that were like clamoring for me to be locked up or whatever and have their and teach their kids how to shoot a jump shot you know so yeah i'll probably do it in a different in a certain way i guess sure that makes sense um i did want to mention there was this quote from someone that he did that uh, did agree to do an interview who was part of the the main like group that was trying to um, get his conviction changed, I guess. Um, and she, it was just a quote about how after he got pardoned by the governor, um, she was trying to sum up really what happened. And she was just saying like, yeah, it turned out they got the right thing happened um, eventually after much pressure. And then she was like, but there's a whole bunch of Allen Iversons out there. Like, there's a whole bunch of other people that, you know, mm-hmm. weren't celebrities uh, or that that didn't have all this backing there. I mean, for every one of him, like she was basically saying there's so many others that didn't have this certain situation um, that didn't right. who don't go on to make millions of dollars. Yeah. And who don't have the name recognition to um you know have all these different resources to help them basically or get pardoned by the governor yeah um and whether you think it was justice or not but like her from her point of view it was and so like all these other people aren't getting justice you know because they're not you know the number one ranked basketball player um yeah do we want to jump into a rating do everything else on this on this documentary yeah, let's do it. Sam, you want to start? No, I want to go okay. last. <laughs> I can go. <laughs> um, I am going to give it no uh, percentage points, 8.0. So eight even, eight old camcorders Whoa. because there was a lot of good old fam. You remember when you guys used, I mean, when I was little, we used to have this old camcorder and there was like a lot of home movies in this. Like there was good home movies of, like high school games, um, and there was there was obviously the one that was sitting on the, um, the counter at the bowling alley. Like, so that anyway, that's why I'm saying camcorders. I'm giving it eight even because, um, I really liked. In general, I really liked it. I learned a ton. I um, there was great video of him. You know, football highlights, basketball alley oops. Um, and it was it really made me think obviously i didn't really object to the way the director steve james injected himself i also really do like in a in a story or a documentary like them describing the place and so i feel like we really got to know the landscape and the town and that that when it sets when a movie sets a scene like that it really helps so I mean, it could have been better just because it could have had Alan Iverson interview, but that would be really hard to get, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and it didn't necessarily um, have like a really strong 
like beginning, middle, and end. It had a really strong beginning, and the con mm-hmm. the content within it was really good. But I mean, the end obviously is just by nature of it. It didn't really, you know, sum up everything, or it didn't really come to a come to a complete end because of where it left off. With that said, I mean, I don't really know how you do it any better um, from a story breaking timeline type of way. So eight for me. Uh, Nick, how about you? Yeah, I agree about the director um, or his uh, philosophy or, or way of creating this or putting himself in the story. I actually uh, liked it. I liked that he was, you know, like he had, that was his hometown. Um, you know, if it was some outside guy that tried to inject his story, like, oh, I grew up in Virginia or something like that, <laughs> uh, you know, that would have been uh, poor. But um I liked it overall. I liked the 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 flow of things. Um, I, I agree about the beginning. Um, I really liked the end. Um, I, I felt like I was I reflected a lot on the end, uh, just his relationship with that teacher um, mm. that helped him graduate. Um, I just thought of, or that just kept making me think of, um, you know, his story with her how she would be crying uh, when he was late or something like that. to so whatever their tutoring session was. And, and she's like, why are you throwing this all away? And I feel like for a story like his, we're able to see um, the end points of what he was throwing away or what he could have thrown away. Um, you know, like a, a phenomenal uh, NBA career. Mm. And um, it just made me think of how easily that could have changed if she wasn't there. Or if there were, you know, you know, maybe one less person in his life uh, that was like a youth coach um, that took yeah, a little extra time for him or, um, you know, and there's so many people in his walks of life that I guess he, um, that helped get him to that point in his life uh, that he was able to succeed ultimately. Um, and then it just makes me think of how many of those individuals were missing um, you know, in like our professional sports of today, um, or just like in, in society and things like that. And it's kind of sad, but, um, just kind of like a reflecting thought, I guess I had, um, as far as a rating goes, um, I, I, I liked it got a little long. Um, I, I'm going to give it uh, a seven, um, seven XL, uh, basketball shorts because mm-hmm. I forgot how baggy his shorts are. <laughs> and there's like only like an inch of leg showing. And I'm just like, he might be six in, you know, six foot. His, his waist is probably like a 30, 32 or something, you know, like just like tiny. And then he's wearing like <laughs> crazy XL. Like shacks, shacks. Yeah, essentially. Like what are the, what is that jaw string? Like, you know, <laughs> Um, <laughs> granted, you know, he's, yeah, you know, I'm sure he gets a special order or whatever, but just funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. Those scenes at the end were awesome. <laughs> I, yeah. I completely forgot how he wears pants basically. Yeah. <laughs> Shorts. Um, all right, you guys, for the second straight week, I'm the lowest man on the wow. total here. I'm going to go 5.5. Oh, yeah. And I'm gonna get uh, five point five uh, armbands. I went with okay. because remember his cool accessory armband things. Did you guys ever have those? Like the the shooting. I mean, sleeves? I remember them. I never had one, but 
Yeah, I had one. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were super cool. <laughs> I, I never wore it in a game or anything because I probably wasn't allowed to, but definitely <laughs> wore it in the driveway a few times. But um, yeah, so I wasn't a huge fan of this documentary at all, really. I I have in my notes, it was good for the first half hour, then it was terrible for 40 minutes, and then awesome for 10 minutes at the end. <laughs> um, I I really thought, you know, the first 30 minutes when they're going through the trial and everything, that was really interesting. And some of the interviews in that 40 minutes that I didn't like were, were good, but I, I thought they were excessive at points. Um, it, it got long to the point where I found myself not even paying attention for several minutes at a time or not several minutes, but there'd be brief stretches where I'd be like, Oh, I wasn't listening to what they just said. Um, and I didn't really like how the director put himself into the movie. I thought, um, there was like one scene that I remember in particular where they were like comparing basketball stats. And I think the point was to show how dominant Allen Iverson was, but I don't know. I just, found myself being like I, f- I feel like I'm getting this whole family's opinion on Alan Iverson mm. and not really I, d- I just don't care that much and so um yeah I wasn't I wasn't the biggest fan I get that you know it's hard to get Alan Iverson to do an interview on this and and everything but I just felt like there was some big missing pieces in it and um d- it didn't keep my attention the whole time and it was too long in my opinion so i'm going 5.5 armbands or shooting sleeves wow almost your your lowest lowest rated um episode not quite but almost not quite yeah (laughs) i don't know i just i i I actually was like considering even going lower with it to be Uh honest with you guys yeah just it so wasn't my my thing, I guess. Well, that's good. It's good that we dis- we disagree. Um, it's, it makes it more interesting, I think. Yeah, different perspectives. Um, so this is our our tenth episode, and so we are thinking that we could review, um, you know, the ten. We we give rankings every single episode, mm-hmm. so we could go through our list. We have a list of all ten. Um, kind of discuss some of our favorites some surprises and then just overall opinions on how the podcast and stuff's going so far so um let me just figure yeah, out yeah shout out to your uh, excel sheet that keeps all this stuff handy um it's like <laughs> yeah, literally before we go we start recording i always just like click the google sheets or whatever and make sure my ratings aren't um match up it, like so like i'll compare like what i'm gonna rate it against and make sure that it's in order of what i actually think so that's right <laughs> yeah i was trying to find a way that we could keep track of everything in one spot and it ended up working out pretty well so yeah um, well, should we uh how, how do you want to do this sam do you want to uh, take turns or just kind of throw out some some thoughts or what um how about i go over the list quick and then and then we can uh maybe each just throw some thoughts out there doesn't have to be anything official but all right so our rankings from best of best to worst um so in first place is the u um with an 8.67 
and then and this is second and this is cumulative so this we you added all of our our three up and then you got the average so that's what 8.67 is yeah right yes yes so the use first and then guru of go Mm. um the band that wouldn't die about the baltimore colts band muhammad and larry without bias those are our top five Mm -hmm. And then no crossover. Doesn't even um, make the, the top the trial five. Trial of Allen Iverson. Didn't even make the top five. It was our sixth, the one we just covered, and that, that was thanks to me because I gave it a low <laughs> rating. And then uh, winning time, Reggie Miller in the Knicks is seventh. King's Ransom about Wayne Gretzky, eighth. Small Potatoes, who killed the USFL with Donald Trump, that is ninth. And rounding out the bottom, our worst one, is the legend of Jimmy the Greek. So just looking at that list, are there any surprises, ones that you thought you would have liked more or, um, you know, ones that were on the bottom that you're like, holy cow, that was terrible. Nick, what do you think? I didn't think that I would like the band that wouldn't die as much as I did. Or, Or, you know, going into it. Um, or that we would collectively um, like that as sure. much. That's probably the biggest yeah, I mean, takeaway for me. I mean, when you're just thinking about an episode about a band, I don't think any of us are big music people. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'd agree. I wasn't expecting that one. Too. And the interesting thing about yeah. that is I was going to point out that our bottom two are, are about um, – kind of not as much like they're not really centered around one athlete or a couple athletes or a team like the last our worst Mm. one is the legend of jimmy the greek who's the sports personality the you know gambling guy and small potatoes who killed the usfl is about just the league and donald trump but then the band that wouldn't die is also kind of in that category but it's third um so it's just i mean yeah for me that was i think my second favorite one yeah, I, I gave that one an 8.9, um, mm-hmm. and I think I gave another one like a 9 point something. Um, but yeah, the I gave the Guru of Go a 9.5, which might be my highest ever, and I've already given it out. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that, I, I agree. We all like that one, and yeah, that one was just so well-rounded. Um, King's Ransom was our first one. We didn't really start off on a high because we gave that one a five point eight three combined. Um, yeah, but I mean, it it did it did in a way do its job in that it started us off with like learning something about a great athlete. I mean, like the greatest, um, and that's kind of why we wanted to do this, right? Is to just talk about these documentaries that are making us learn so much. That we didn't know about sports. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, w- one of my main takeaways is that I-, I guess I kind of thought that I would rank these documentaries or that I would enjoy documentaries that were about subjects or topics that I already liked. Mm. Um, but I realized that it's more like how the story is told than the story itself, if that makes sense. So like, it's less about the topic and more about, you know, the interviews and the layout and how the director did um, production value and all of that. And I, I thought that that would have played less of a role and that the topic would have played more of a role for me. 
that makes me very proud of you. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's yeah. probably how I look at them, too. Right. And I just didn't really think about it like that before we started this, yeah. you know? I was like, oh, this one's about Allen Iverson. This will be my favorite right, one. Exactly. And mm-hmm. then, but then it ends up being one of my least favorite ones. And the more that I break these down, I, I you know, I find ones that, like you said, Nick, like the band that wouldn't die even though it's about football, it's really about a band and bringing a city together. And if you would have told me about it at the beginning, I would have probably been like, ah, I don't know how I feel about that one. But because it was put together so well and the director did such a great job with it and the interviews were so amazing, it really stands out to me as one of my favorites. And it's also good because, like, I mean, it probably wouldn't have clicked on that one, really, maybe ever, you know? Right. Right. And and that's one of the benefits of us just going through and going, you know, one to 110 or however many there yeah. are. It's it's just we're being forced to like go outside of our comfort zones and watch documentaries about things that we wouldn't have clicked on at the beginning. Because I know I wouldn't have watched probably at least half of these. Like, I was going to say this to you guys, but I'm pretty sure I'd seen The Trial of Alan Iverson before. And I think that was the first one. I didn't remember a lot about it, but that was the first of the 10 that I'd actually seen before. Oh, okay. Where I know you guys have seen one or two mm-hmm. of them, right? I hadn't seen any of these before. This is only my first time watching all these ten. I've seen this one. I've seen oh, a really? couple of them, but I, I, as I was watching this one, I was like, yeah, I've definitely seen this one before. Mm-hmm. I remember that yeah, crazy yeah. reporter, like the crazy eyes reporter <laughs> from this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> that was a random fact. They're, they're easy to remember. <laughs> right. Um, yeah so I guess that was pretty much what I wanted to do if you guys have, like, have any other thoughts um, let's all give out our our best one if our best one was different I'll start with mine I, I maybe I mean I know the U was our consensus best one but I gave out a 9.5 I guess I should probably have said what that was that was last week's right the guru of go yeah that was the Guru yeah, of Go, yes. and so that was my favorite, I guess. And it it dissented from your guys as a little like Nick, you were an eight, Sam, you're a seven, so you still liked it. You just weren't as mm-hmm. overwhelmed as I was. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, obviously, I really liked that one. And then my least favorite, I think, was a four. Oh yeah, that yeah. that was the Jimmy the Greek one, four point one. Um, and I think all of us weren't really a fan. So. Oh, sure. Yeah, none of us like that one. Yeah, there's five from Nick. One of the best parts about the Guru of Go, which we touched on last week, was just that. Yep. Guys. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, Oh, sorry. I thought that I got cut off. Um, No worries. I was just going to say, one of the best parts about the Guru of Go is just that there's two different stories going on at once, like we talked about last week. I think, mm-hmm. to me, that's what stands out about that one. Yeah, and that was done so so well that that, that was a big part of why I, I was so enthusiastic. Sure. Should we move on to our, uh, our next segment? Um, sure. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. All right, so uh, we always like to look ahead or project out what we might want to see in a documentary since we're talking about sports documentaries um who's next on our list of 
giving out our documentary wish list this week. Yeah, so that's me. Uh, so through watching uh, the NBA uh, playoffs, um, I have, I guess, learned more about the story of Jimmy Butler. And so I did not know all of the adversity that he had faced uh, early in his life. And, uh, and Jimmy Butler is known for just being a grinder um, and, and just t- uh, never stopping, uh, you know, hard work or, or never stopping uh, if he's tired or, you know, through adversity, whatever. And so, um, you know, I've always uh, enjoyed him as a player or, or rooting for him. Um, but then knowing his, you know, how he grew up and, and his story be, behind the scenes or before the scenes were even there, um, you know, was, was fascinating to me. And so uh, for reference, like um, before the draft, uh, before his draft in 2011, uh, one NBA general manager said, uh, you know, his, his story is one of the most remarkable I've seen in all my years of basketball. Uh, there were so many times where in his life where he was set up to fail, but every time he overcame just enormous odds. When you talk to him and he's a hesitant to talk about his life, you just have to, you have the feeling that this uh, kid has greatness in him. Um, it, it, so like he was born or he was um, born, uh, his father abandoned his family. Um, by the time he was 13 years old, uh, he was living um, in a Houston suburb and his mom kicked him out of the house um, because basically how Butler puts it, uh, she didn't like how he looks. Um, he bounced between homes, between various friends, uh, staying for a few weeks at a time and then moving. Um, and, uh, and, and so then he, you know, got into summer basketball leagues, uh, started to get noticed by, um, you know, like different friends. Um, he ended up going to a community college, uh, and then went to Marquette and then, uh, you know, went to the NBA and, and, um, I don't know. I just feel like that's, it, it would be such an interesting um, look at into his, his childhood, but then also, you know, how he was formed into the, the person and the player that he is today too. Um, so I would be, uh, I don't know, I would love that. And there's got to be a section in there that, that covers the practice uh, that he destroyed all the Timberwolves players with like the <laughs> backup players Um, so that's gotta be like a subplot in there, but, um, you know, focusing on him and, 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 uh, his whole life in general. Oh man. I'm all in on that one. Take all my money. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that his story like really shaped him and like the reason why you hear stories of him showing up at like 4am, you know? Yeah. And, and that'd be really cool to see. I agree. Well, I think it wasn't it in the bubble that he was, um, uh, there's like, a, you know, a story of, you know, there's a noise complaint at like 3am and, and so they had to call security. And so security goes up to his room and that's him dribbling basketballs. Yeah. It's like practicing at like 3am. And <laughs> I know it, like, once you hear his, his childhood story, or at least like the little facts that I said about it, it's like, Oh, that makes sense. Like that doesn't, like, you know, it should surprise us because that's awful. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like his, his work ethic is like, oh, yeah, like that's why he succeeded is because he's just like faced that adversity and overcame it every time. I, I mean, the dude created a coffee business in the bubble. He and he's an that. entrepreneur. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Charging 20 bucks a cup. 
<laughs> Did you know he's like really good friends with Mark Wahlberg now? I feel like I, I think I did hear that. Yeah. Yeah. How did that come about? Do you know? I don't know. I mean, I know he was in a he had like a cameo in a movie that Mark Wahlberg was in or produced. Or yeah. Something. So oh, okay. maybe that, but interesting. Yeah. So uh that'd be great. I, I like that idea. Yeah, me too. Um I was just gonna I have it updated now. I know this is like we're kinda all over the place and not oh, as yeah. nice oh. as we wanted to be, but um our average ratings. So I still have the highest even though I've uh, gone lowest two times in a row. My my average rating is seven point oh eight. Uh, Ren's in second with 6.97 and Nick rounds us out with 6.55 bringing our our total to 6.87 out of 10 for all the 10 documentaries we've seen so far 6.87 okay so average is pretty in the middle I mean it's not it's not a five but like that sounds right doesn't it it makes sense yeah I'd say so like it's in like the pretty good range I feel like we've all thought they were generally pretty good mm-hmm. could improve a little bit but mm-hmm. overall we i feel like we've enjoyed most of them what's the lowest score i think we've given out a couple fours but i don't think we've given out any threes yeah so i was just looking like you went your highest and lowest um one that sticks out for me as my one of my highest besides the u was um muhammad and larry i really liked that one. Oh yeah and Nick didn't like that one. Nick went low. Yeah, that one sucked. And I'm trying to remember <laughs> trying to remember why we were so different, but I think I just got bored with it. Oh yeah, I think that's that was it. Yeah. And I was just Kinda fascinated like, by like it all. you today, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it it's just hilarious how different we can be about things like this. <laughs> yeah. Um and my lowest was I, I think, think the legend of John is Greek, right? Yeah, or or no no crossover. Alan Iverson. Oh, small potatoes. Yeah, five. Oh yeah. I gave it five annuities. Annuities. Yes. And then, yeah. So. Do you think we'll ever get out of ten? I don't know. It's gonna be tough. Like you I said, feel you like... probably gave out your highest. Like I feel yeah. like you're gonna have a hard time giving out of ten. We have to be very careful with that, because <laughs> like it doesn't get any better than that. Right, it's the perfect documentary. Yeah. I don't know, if they make that Jimmy Butler one, it might give it a 10. I was just going to say, once they start taking our, uh, once <laughs> new the word gets around, they start taking our ideas, then we'll give it a 10. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, ones, ones that we really disagreed on, what do we got? We got Winning Time, the Reggie Miller one. Ren really disagreed with us. Oh, on yeah, one. I didn't like that one. And yeah, Muhammad and Larry. Yeah, Nick didn't like that one. And I think that's about it. Yeah. I was higher on King's Ransom than you guys were. I think we really didn't know what we were doing at that point. We were just kind of winging it. (laughs) And I don't know about you guys, but now when I'm watching them, I'm like comparing them to other documentaries in my head. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess I'm not doing it as I'm watching it, but I guess I I probably do it right after it's over. Sure. When I think about it, like I'm, and then I look back and I'm like, was that one better? I don't know. Yeah, I can't wait until 
I give out a three. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That'd be a waste of an hour if there was that bad. Of a... Yeah, we should just not discuss it. Just like, no, nope, that was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> nice. well, yeah, we just do a three-minute podcast. And we just skip our ratings and we hang up. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right, so we'll see how number eleven is. I'm gonna I'll preview number eleven here. Yes, please. It's called uh, "Silly Little Game," and uh, it was produced April twentieth, two thousand ten. Um, it's about a meeting that takes place in a New York City restaurant in nineteen eighty. It's a group of writers and academics, and they develop fantasy baseball. Um, only oh. to see it take off in popularity and leave them behind. It says. So we get to find out the history of fantasy baseball, it sounds like. Wow. I wonder if that's fantasy sports in general, like that was the first sport, or if it's going off of like fantasy football. We'll have to find out, I guess. Yeah, I guess I'm so. pretty sure it was the first one. Okay. I mean, I guess it lends itself to stats, but that's interesting. No, that's pretty cool. We should, uh, we should track no some idea. of those guys down. We should track down... I mean, that was 40 years ago, so we should find someone who's pretty young at the time who was there, and we should get them on the podcast next week. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's try. All right. I'm on it. So uh, as we are continuing to grow, I have to keep reminding people that uh, at Doc Diehards on Instagram, like and like us there, or what is You can't like us there. Follow us, and then like our... our uh, other stuff i don't know sam what do we do on social media <laughs> um sometimes we put out questions so ask ask us some questions yeah give us some comments tell your friends about us rate yes. us on rate us on your podcast apps all that good stuff you know that every yeah give us a review does. or yeah tell everyone how great we are basically, basically. and uh most importantly, just watch some of these documentaries that we're talking about because they're they're really interesting and they have made us better sports fans so far. I think. Yeah, and do yeah. If you are like us and you're you know don't want to watch one that you don't like, like you can just refer to our what we've just said and watch the best ones. And then yes. you, yeah, you don't have to watch the maybe our least favorite. Yeah, we'll do the dirty work for you, <laughs> and then we're just yeah. here to help. You're not supposed to be out with a bunch of people right now anyway, so just sit in your basement and watch some sports documentaries. <laughs> All right, that should round us out. Anything else, guys? No, I don't think so. I'm excited for uh, basketball playoffs to keep going here. Do you guys think LeBron's going to gonna do it? Uh, that's a whole other podcast. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Special edition. <laughs> I'm calling it LeBron calling the title. It? Yeah. All right. Not a. Yeah, I, not if a I was a betting man, just yeah. just seems like a year of destiny. Mm. Do, doing it for Kobe, you know. Yeah, that's hard to argue with that for sure. Yeah. All, All right. right. Have a good night. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye, everybody.